0: If you join me in Bible study tonight, please open up to the book of Daniel to chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1 begins. Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, that's the second year of his reign over Judah, how long was Daniel in training? Three years. Three years. So since it's only two years in, Daniel is still in training at the time that this chapter happens. So you have to understand, the book of Daniel is not exactly chronological. So we saw in chapter 1 that after three years he's brought before the king and the king finds he and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be the best and the brightest. Well, that hasn't happened yet. So now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. And his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. How long do those dreams go on? It may be an entire year until Daniel has completed his preparations. It doesn't say exactly. What's it mean? His spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him.
1: It it woke him up
0: wasn't able to sleep. He woke him up. Have you ever had nightmares that you just couldn't sleep through? Some of you are going, nope, never did. But if you ever have, have you had them recur night after night after night? Well, that's Nebuchadnezzar's problem. This is not normal. Occasionally we have a bad dream, but this is night after night. How long does that go on before you start to lose your ever-loving mind when you can't sleep? Yeah. So Nebuchadnezzar, when it says, was so troubled, that understates the situation. He's literally, at this point, going to be losing his mind. Verse 2, then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So he came and stood before the king. There are two types. Actually, four types here of what they would call the wise men. Now this is not wise men as in the wise men came before the Lord at the birth of Messiah. But it's from the same thought process. So the thought of the king of Babylon was that these men were the wisest, most able men in his country. Yes, yes. I'm about to tell you what these all are.
2: I didn't want you to skip past it. No, the four
0: categories, the four types. First one, it says the magicians, those are the necromancers, the ones who talk to the dead, like the witch at Endor, who called up the dead spirit of Samuel. The astrologers, we know what they are. We still have astrologers around today. How many of you read your horoscope? If you do, don't, because God said don't. The third is the sorcerers. They were the ones who used drugs in order to try and get in touch with the spirit world. The same way that in the New Testament, the word for sorcerer is pharmakia. And the Chaldeans, these were the demonists, those who tried to get their insight from the demon world. So those are the four types.
1: Were
2: they demon
0: worshippers? Yeah, they were demon worshippers. So which you might say possessed is, people.
2: So which category is Daniel and all of them fallen into? He's not in any of
0: them at the moment. I know. But yep. i
2: say when he gets there, which
0: one is You family? want to wait till know. we get there?
2: No. Come on,
0: come on. Okay. <laughs> so they came and stood before the king. He's not before them. He's not with any of these four groups. Where is he at this point?
3: <laughs> He's probably
0: still in, that's in that's training. training. Yep. So this doesn't happen in just a day that the king calls them all in and, and goes to put them to death in one day. It takes place over a period of time. So verse 3, And the king said to them, I have had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. That word know means to understand. I want to know what it means. He is smart enough himself to realize that I'm not having this unnatural dream night after night after night if it has no meaning. There's some meaning behind it. He doesn't know where it comes from. He doesn't know what it means. He doesn't even remember what happened. That's the worst kind, isn't it? When you wake up in a cold sweat and you can't remember the dream, that's his situation. He knows it's horrible, but he can't remember what it is. Or so he lets on anyway. He's smarter than we give him credit for sometimes. Verse 4. Then the Chaldeans, which are these? These are the demonists. Spoke to the king in Aramaic. Ah. Up until this word, we've been Hebrew. From this word on to the end of chapter 7, we now go to Aramaic. And then at the end of chapter 7, we're going to go back to Hebrew. The language indicates The main focus of the teaching, who's it to? From this point on, it's about the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. And they say, oh king, live forever. Do they really think the king's going to live forever? No, but it flatters the king to say that. You might keep your head a little longer. Tell your servants to dream and we will give the interpretation. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Unfortunately, Nebuchadnezzar sees right through it. What they're saying is, tell us the dream and we'll make some meaning up. And the king says, oh, uh-uh. no, 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 we're not playing that game. Because they'll lie to him and he knows it. So tell your servants the dream, we will give the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. That's not what the Aramaic says. What does the Aramaic say? It says, the thing has escaped me. Meaning, I can't remember it. Whether he really can't remember or not, I kind of think he probably does. But he's just playing the game with the magicians knowing that if I tell you the dream, you're going to make stuff up. But if you tell me the dream... Then I'll know you have a good interpretation. Yes, Daniel.
4: So if he knows that they're full of baloney, why does he keep them around?
0: <laughs> if he knows they're full of baloney, why does he keep them around? Because there's no other person to turn to.
4: So it's like he's just surrounded himself with yes men.
0: He's surrounded himself with yes men. How many rulers in this world enjoy that?
2: <coughs> Every one of them, most of them.
4: But it's at the same time, it's like when the, when the rubber meets the road, he knew they were just they were false.
0: Yeah. And this is his line in the sand. You tell me the dream, or I'm going to put you to death. Which gives them an encouragement to try and come up with a true answer. But if he really didn't remember the dream, then how would he know if they were telling him the truth when they tell him what the dream was? That's what makes me think he really does remember. He's just putting them to the test. I could be wrong. I wasn't there. But my decision is firm, should read, The thing has escaped me. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made an ash heap. Is that an encouragement? It sure is. It's (laughs) It's motivation. Unfortunately, Who do they have to turn to? They have the demonic world. They have their false gods. They have whatever voodoo they get from the stars in the heavens and their astrological lookins. And there's no truth in them. But there's no truth in them. They didn't have an Amway
1: convention to encourage
0: them. <laughs> Apparently not. Verse 6, However, However, there's the carrot and the stick. He's already given him the stick. Here's the carrot. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. So with the carrot and the stick, he knows that if they have the ability, they will surely tell him the dream and its interpretation. And if they don't, it's because... They can't. Right. Verse 7. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants to dream, and we will give his interpretation. Can you imagine that that was probably said with a little bit of, uh-oh. A little bit of concern? I bet it was. But what are they doing? Stalling.
1: Trying to buy some time, figure out what to do.
0: Trying to buy some time, figure out what to do. And the king sees right through it. Verse eight. King answered and said, "I know for certain that you would gain time. Notice you're stalling. You're stalling. Why would they stall? They don't
3: have
0: if they give the answer, they get all kinds of riches and honor. If they're stalling, it means they don't have a clue." It says because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there's only one decree for you. Notice he didn't say the dream and the interpretation. He knows they'll give him an interpretation if he tells them the dream. But if you do not make known the dream to me, there's only one decree for you. It's not promotion, is it? It's a very long vacation, right? For you have agreed to speak a lie and corrupt words before me till the time has changed.
1: What does that mean? That is,
0: until I forget about it. Until it's no longer of an issue. You can't
1: go and now let
0: it go. Yeah, you're going to stall and stall and stall till I just give up and let it go. Therefore,
1: yes? Uh, In some cultures, when they talk, uh, it's an idiomatic phrase time changing means when we get a new king or new ruler
0: okay that's good
1: i mean i don't know it specifically so in that case but it does crop up in the cultures around it
0: very good
1: meaning when you new reign
0: very good and of course if it was time for him to die and nebo which one took over Let's see mm-hmm. evil merodach took over then evil Meridoc wouldn't know the dream either. So, yeah, it would all be moot at that point. Thank you, Evan, for that. So, therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. So he's smart enough to know that if they have the ability to tell in the dream, then they can also do a true interpretation. And if they can't tell in the dream, they're just going to make stuff up. Anyway, yes, Daniel? You know,
4: this, this reminds me of you know, the book of 1 Kings where... King Ahab has all these false prophets around him. Yeah. And the true prophet says, I saw a vision from the Lord that said, The Lord has sent a lying spirit to these prophets. So if they're, you know, the Chaldeans, if they're demon worshippers and whatever, they're hearing from a spirit, but it's a false spirit. Right. So they're going to be getting a report that's not not a true one. Yeah. That it's the same kind of vision.
0: And obviously the demons don't know the dream. (laughs) Yeah, all that's true. Now verse 10. Verse 10 is an absolutely true statement. It says, the Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. That's absolutely true. They They finally told the truth. I cannot look at you and tell you what you dreamed last night. Nor can you look at me. And the ladies you go to and pay them the 25 bucks to read the lines on your hand, they're just making stuff up too, believe it or not. So there's not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such thing of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. So it's, they are correct. No man can give the dream interpretation but God And which of those four groups of wise men, quote unquote, worship the true and living God? None. So, verse 11 it is a difficult thing that the king requests, and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. If you are Nebuchadnezzar, the perfect response is well, why don't you just ask the gods then? (coughs) <coughs> if there are gods out there who can tell the dream and the interpretation, why aren't the wise men talking to them?
1: They're not priests. <laughs> they have an excuse, I'm
0: sure. Because those false gods, they are sticks and stones and pieces of metal. They can't any more tell the dream than the Chaldeans can. Only the true and living God can do that. Which is, of course, the point of Daniel chapter 2. Of all the gods in this world, there's only one that is real, only one that is true. And that's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How many gods did the Chaldeans worship? We do not know. There were many, but there were none true gods. What does the scripture say stands behind all of the false idols? Demons. Demons. And we've just seen that these people converse with the demons, but the demons are no help here. None. So, verse 12. For this reason, the king was angry and very furious. For what reason? Because of what they said. Because <laughs> of what they said. They said, the gods know. And they don't tell. But, but, but we don't know how to get an answer out of them. Well, they've been pretending before the king all this time to be able to reveal all the great secrets of the world because they're in touch with these gods. And now the king sees that they're all a bunch of phonies. So gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And notice men's in italics. It's just the wise ones. So the decree went out. And they began killing the wise men. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Why? Because they were considered part of the wise men, but not one of those four groups. Hmm. So the cream, they began killing the wise men. They don't go kill them all in one day. So there's time for Daniel and his companions to hear what's going on. And that's verse 14. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. Daniel's question is, why does he want to kill all those phonies and fakes? That's kind of obvious. Question is, why now? Why all of a sudden? What's happened? Something's gone on. Why doesn't Daniel know he's still in training? He's not in the king's court yet. So he's not privy to all that's going on. So verse 16, so Daniel went in and asked the king to give him some time. Then he might tell the king the interpretation. This is acceptable to the king. He asked for a little time. Why? So he can inquire of God and get a real answer. The wise men beforehand said, oh king, if you give us a few days, we can get you the answer. They said, it's not possible. Daniel says, hey, it's possible. But it's not coming from me, it's coming from God, so you've got to give me a little time. And how does the king respond? that's okay you need a few days go talk to God come back tell me what he says by the way give me his phone number no not really okay verse 17 then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah Mishael and Azariah his companions who are they Shadrach Meshach and Abednego only these are the real names why didn't Babylon want to use their real names? Because every one of those names has either Lord or God in it. And they want them to separate themselves from the worship of the true and living God. So
1: you left that God in Israel.
0: Yeah, But what a mistake would it have been if they had. Verse eighteen, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven. What does that mean?
1: Keep their heads on their
0: toes. <laughs> Means they're gonna pray. Daniel plus his three companions, all four of them are going to put their hearts together and pray out to the Lord our God. Verse 18 They might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. What if God hadn't told them the secret and the interpretation? Then they would have died just like the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel would have been a really short book, right? But we know that that's not what happened. But what is the right thing to do when we face a problem that we cannot deal with ourselves? Take it to the Lord. And that's exactly what Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah do. Verse 19. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. And how does Daniel respond? Hey, look at me. No. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. That's the right thing to do. He's not going to go before the king and say, I, I, I. He's going to say, the true God has done this for you. Boy, that's good advice. Verse 20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his. He's talking to the king of Babylon who worships pagan gods. Think of what courage this takes and such confidence in the, what's the big word? Faith. To go in before Babylon, and before his king, Nebuchadnezzar, instead of saying, O oh, great Nebuchadnezzar, you such wonderful guy. But blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. The Aramaic word here for times means the years. He causes one year to come and another year to go. And we go from 2022 to 2023, and God makes the years change. And this word seasons is not the Moedim. This word seasons is literally what? Spring, summer, fall, and winter, as we would think of seasons. They're different words. It's, the Aramaic word is very close to the Hebrew word Zaman. In fact, you can read it if you can read Hebrew and say That's talking about actual seasons. But that's important to know. Because in Daniel chapter 7, we talk about times and seasons. We're not talking about years in summer, spring, winter, and fall. So he changes the times and the seasons. That is, he makes time progress. He removes kings and raises up kings. Why would Daniel tell him that? Nebuchadnezzar, your king... An emperor of the world, because God puts you in that position. Starting to get Nebuchadnezzar to think about what it means for there to be a God in heaven. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. What does James one five say? James one five. Let's go look at the book of James. James chapter
1: 1, verse 5.
0: James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Does that sound like anything has changed from Daniel's time to James' time? It has not. Verse 22, he reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. Ooh, that verse should cause a shiver to run up your spine. He knows everything that's done in the dark. But there's no darkness in him. In him is light. Does that make you think of John chapter 1? Yeah, let's turn to John chapter 1 for a minute. You know how it begins. In the beginning was the Word. There was with God and the Word was God. But then it says... He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Hmm. Back to Daniel chapter 2, verse 22. He reveals deep and secret things. Why does he do this? He tells us in the book of Isaiah. That the way you know that he is God and there is no other. is only he can tell us the end from the beginning. So God likes to share the deep things and the secrets and the things that are coming. So that when they come to pass, it will deepen our faith. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. Verse 23, I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might. And have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's demand. So is he giving praise to himself? No, he's letting Nebuchadnezzar know that this comes only from the true and living God. Verse 24, therefore Daniel went to Arioch. Who's Ariok? He's a guy out there to execute the wise men, yeah, Whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He he went and said thus to him Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Oh, that takes guts. He's telling him to not obey the king's command, right? Yep. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Ariok quickly brought Daniel before the king. Why do you think he brings him quickly?
2: Brownie points.
0: Not brownie <laughs> points.
3: Well, he told Ariok to disobey
0: the king. He's told Ariok to disobey the king. He doesn't want the king to find out Ariok's not doing what he was told, right?
1: Ariok didn't want to do that
0: either. Anyway. <laughs> right. So Ariok gets in there in a hurry. Brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man in the captives of Judah who will make known to the king the interpretation. But the king <laughs> I don't know that Arioch knows that the king already knows.
3: <laughs> Look
0: what yeah, Arioch's trying to get some brownie points and well, yeah. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Not or, but and. Then I answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. Can you see the king's face starting to get a little red? Sounds like he's saying, No, I can't. But he's just building it up. Getting to the high point here. Hmm. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. In the latter days? Is this vision going to go up all the way until the time of Messiah's kingdom? Absolutely. It's going to go from the time of Babylon to Messiah's return for Armageddon and the establishment of the Messianic kingdom. How long a period is that? That's thousands of years. He says your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. By the way, is that latter days the same as the end of days in Isaiah 2 and Micah 4? It's not the it's an Aramaic equivalent of the It's the Aramaic equivalent of the Akrit, how you mean. It's exactly the same thing. In a Hebrew published Bible, it's not the latter days, it's the end of days. Just to reinforce, we're talking about the messianic kingdom. Of
1: course, Nebuchadnezzar would not have a clue what he's talking about.
0: No, Nebuchadnezzar would not have a clue what he's talking about at this point.
1: It's only people reading his words later that start even wondering what he's talking
0: about. Yeah. But that was often true. The prophets usually did not understand their own prophecies. They just wrote them down so that you and I can look back.
1: They often had dual or even more fulfillments.
0: Oftentimes there were two or more fulfillments. You're absolutely right.
1: You said, oh, it's with.
0: Yeah. So it says, your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. Notice what? The king has a question. That's where this all begins. The king's wondering, what will come after my rule? Will my kingdom last forever? Will it pass away quickly? What will the future be? And that triggers a dream. That's the, what triggers the dream, yeah. And he reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. In other words, God heard what your thoughts were. Does that make the hair stand up in your arms? You don't have to say it. God knows what you're thinking. Demons can't do it, but God can. Demons can't do it, but God can and does. So it's a question and answer. That's what's happened. Nebuchadnezzar had a question and God answered it. So why doesn't Nebuchadnezzar understand the answer? It's a
1: vision. (laughs) It's a little deep.
0: It's a vision. It's a little deep.
1: He doesn't know know the true God. God.
0: He doesn't know the true and living God. That's right. He doesn't,
3: know to go to God
0: for the he doesn't know to go to God for the interpretation. He doesn't realize that's where the dream came from. He knows it came from somewhere. But he's learning now, learning where these things come from. Verse 30 But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. Who's this me talking? This is Daniel. Daniel's not saying, I did it, I did it, reward me. He says, whoa, whoa, it's not because I'm wiser than the rest of the world. But for our sakes, that is, so that you don't kill me and my buddies, who make known the interpretation of the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your own heart. In other words, you may understand the answer to your question. But before that, he says, And our heads would like to remain right where they are. Verse 31. You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. The word great here means tall, big. Not that it's wonderful, but it's very big. And the word image means it's an image like a man. It's like a statue, an idolatrous image. This great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you and his form was awesome. Well, it's made out of gold and silver and other precious and shiny metals. So standing out in the Chaldean sun, it would have shone beautifully. But there's more to it than just the prettiness. So that's verse 31. It was huge and it was beautiful to look at. But that's not the importance of it verses 32 and 33 say this image's head was of fine gold why fine gold
4: because such a strong
0: awesome kingdom. yeah it's in its purest form because it represents babylon which is the greatest of the empires known to the world at that time its chest and arms of silver Well, if you compare gold to silver, you're decreasing in weight and in value as well as in splendor and glory. So the kingdom that follows won't be such as fine a kingdom as Babylon. But it'll still be very strong, very powerful. It's belly and thighs of bronze or brass I would prefer it said brass, but they tend to use bronze here in our New King James. Is bronze as valuable as silver? No. no. So again, we're decreasing in weight, in value, and splendor and glory. And in verse 33, it's legs of iron, less valuable than bronze, which was less valuable than silver, which was less valuable than gold.
1: On the other hand, each one is getting stronger and stronger.
0: It's getting stronger and stronger, gold you can it's soft you can
3: mm-hmm. Malleable.
0: you can bite gold that's how they tested coins in the movies, right? They bit them and that's why they had few teeth in the movies, right okay, yeah, but they're getting stronger that's right, so the legs of iron and partly of clay that's down to the feet, so you've got the head of gold, chest and arms of silver. Why two arms? Medo-Persia. And then belly, well, that's just one. That was one kingdom. And then we get down to the legs of iron, which is Rome. There's east and west. And then we get to the feet. They're partly of iron, partly of clay. With ten toes. Being weakened. Being weakened, right. So let's keep reading here. Verse 34. You watched while a stone... Was cut out without hands. How can you cut a stone without hands? Yeah. Magic. What's that? God. God, yes. This is one that man did not create. This is from God. A stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on his feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. That stone. Is something we first encountered in which book of the Bible? In Genesis chapter 49. Let's go back to Genesis 49. Genesis 49 was written how far in advance of Daniel's day? About a thousand years. Genesis chapter 49, verse 24. It says, But his bow, that is Joseph, remained in strength. And the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there, not from Joseph, but from the mighty God of Jacob, is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. That is Genesis forty nine verse twenty-four. Yeah. Does Messiah ever refer to himself as the shepherd? Yes. Many times, especially John ten. Where he lets us know there's not two sides. Where he lets us know there's not two flocks, there's not two ways, there's just one shepherd, one flock, one way, right? And the reference to the stone
1: in the who in the New Testament ...said whoever falls on this rock will be broken, but whoever falls on him will be ground to pieces. Did Messiah say that?
0: We're going to find out in a few minutes. We are going to get there. To get
1: there. I didn't remember the word stone other than Peter in the New Testament. So,
0: so we started back in Genesis 49, now let's carry it forward. Let's go to Psalm 118. I cannot possibly leave you wondering what that stone might represent. I just can't do it. It's not in me. We've got to go find out. Psalm 118, verse 22. This psalm was being sung as Messiah died on Calvary's tree. Verse 22, psalm 118, verse 22. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone
1: capitalized in your version? No.
0: Should be, shouldn't it? Well, all depends. Biblical Hebrew doesn't have any capital letters, so they just capitalize what they want to. And then let's go to Matthew chapter 21, in case somebody wants to see if Messiah ever mentioned it in the New Testament. Matthew 21, verse 42. What color are the words? They are red. Yeshua said to them, them being who? Those scribes and Pharisees, right? Have you never read in the scriptures? You know, that's got to hurt when Messiah says that. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you, that's the scribes and Pharisees, and given to a nation, that's actually the apostles are the start, bearing the fruits of it, and whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but whomever it falls it will grind him to powder. So if you fall on your knees before the Lord, you can find salvation. And if not, that stone's going to fall on you come judgment day. Then to Acts chapter 4.
3: Because
0: Messiah is not the only one to refer back to this verse. Acts chapter 4 verse 11. And we're going to start with verse 8 so that we know exactly what Peter's talking about. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Yeshua, the Messiah of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. Is this going to put Peter in good stead with the scribes and the Pharisees? Oh, no. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders which has become the chief cornerstone, which was rejected by who? By you builders. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. What is that name? That's Yeshua. In 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, We'll start in verse 4. First Peter chapter 2 beginning in verse 4. Coming to him as to a living stone. Rejected indeed by men. But chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Yeshua the Messiah. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, The stone which the builders rejected had become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumbled being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Makes you wonder why Peter didn't live to be an old, old man. huh? No, but he told it straight. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 2. So Messiah as the stone begins in Genesis and goes all the way up through 1 Peter. Which is almost to the writing of Revelation. So... What do we learn again from Daniel 2 verse 34 is when Messiah establishes his kingdom. Says you watch while a stone was cut out without hands which struck the image on his feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Does Messiah establish his kingdom during Babylon? No. No. During Medo-Persia? No. No. During Greece? No. No. During Rome? No. Not till Rome is revived. The revived Roman Empire. So this one verse tells us that we should not have looked for the Messianic kingdom 3,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago or 1,000 years ago. On to verse 35. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together. That's fascinating. The stone didn't hit the image on the top of the head, it hit him on the toes, and it completely obliterates the entire image. Absolutely. The iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together, meaning what? These represent Gentile world powers that would rule over Israel until Messiah returns. And then when Messiah returns, what happens to the Gentile world powers? The times of the Gentiles is complete. Yes. We'll get there. So verse 35, Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like, a, like chaff from the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. Once Messiah establishes his kingdom, will there be another Gentile world empire? No. no. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain. What's the mountain in prophecy? A kingdom. And filled what? The whole earth. Let's go back to Isaiah 9 7. Isaiah 9 7. Which came first? Isaiah or Daniel? Isaiah. We'll start in nine six just for well because it's so cool. Mm-hmm. You know in Hebrew, right? Kiyela lanu It says for unto us a child is born, that's Messiah's first coming. That's not when the kingdom was established. Unto us a son is given, that's the second coming. That's where the kingdom gets established. And the government will be upon his shoulder. That's the same government that Daniel interpreted from Nebuchadnezzar's dream. The government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Take out the comma between Wonderful and Counselor. Mighty God. Remember what that is in Hebrew? El Gabor. The word Gabor doesn't just mean mighty. It means a mighty warrior. It refers to the fact that Messiah comes as the Lord of Hosts. He is the everlasting Father. That's the word parents. The Father of eternity. He's the Father, the Creator from the beginning, and He is the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be what? No end. Never ever will it end. Upon the throne of David and over His kingdom. To order and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forevermore. The the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let me ask this. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. What was David's kingdom? Israel. Does this say that Israel will never ever end? Can you give me another verse to confirm that? In Isaiah 66, let's turn to Isaiah 66. Whether we know about the words of the prophets, if they're true prophets, they will all come to pass. Isaiah 66, verse 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord. How long will the new heavens and new earth last? Forever. Forever and ever without end. So shall your descendants and your name remain. What's your name? Israel. Your descendants? The children of Israel. So it means that the children of Israel and the nation of Israel will remain for how long? Forever and ever. Hmm. That great mountain in Daniel. Did Isaiah tell us about that mountain? Yeah, that's in Isaiah chapter 2. So let's go back to Isaiah 2. So how much you want to bet once Daniel talked to the Lord, he started thinking about Isaiah and going, hey, I should read that book again. <laughs> Isaiah 2, verse 2. Now it shall come to pass in the akhirit hayyamim, the end of days. Same days Daniel's talking, days Daniel's talking about, the same time period. <laughs> Chapter 2, verse 2. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Now it shall come to pass in the akhirit hayyamim, the end of days, capitalized. That the mountain of the Lord's house, what did Daniel say? The stone would become a mountain, a great mountain. That's the Messianic king, the mountain of the Lord's house. What's the Lord's house? The temple. Where will the temple be in the kingdom? In Jerusalem. Is Jerusalem going to remain forever? Yes, it will. Shall be established on the top of the mountain, shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come up and say, come, let's go up to the mountain, Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. That's the temple. Who sits in the temple, ruling and reigning? Messiah does. He will teach us his ways. That he refers to God. Will God be sitting in the temple? Yes, he will. Messiah is God. Yes, Lord. We are. We're going to learn Hebrew. Just write Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his path. Just like John 10 said, one shepherd, one flock, one path. We will walk in his path. For Zion, prophetic Jerusalem, shall go forth what? The Torah. The Torah, the law, wasn't it abolished 2,000 years ago? No, it was not. Somebody would have forgotten to tell Messiah. Since he is the word, we know the word did not fail. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people.
2: You know, i got a silly question that just went through my head when you asked that, quite, that thing. What's that? Gone away with? But who can do away with God? No one. I mean, that's yep. just so simple. I mean you can't do away with God, you surely can't do away with
0: his commandment. I almost said our government, but that would have been a wrong answer. Okay. <laughs> like a try. Case, all uh, they shall beat their swords in the plowshares, their spears in the pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn more anymore. I'm sure you all heard in the news, one of the senators, our congressman, has just introduced legislation to make it a felony to take a child to vacation Bible school. Because it's child abuse. Our nation is trying to do away with God, but it will never.
1: And what's the first thing
3: in the Bill of
1: Rights? Freedom of
0: what? Religion. Religion. Number one. Number one. Of religion. Yep. Not freedom from religion. Right. That's what they're trying to do. Yep. I've been for years. But let's get back on course. So does... The rest of the prophetic scriptures confirm Daniel's interpretation. Absolutely.
3: History does.
0: Down even to the very words. And history does too. How was Babylon overthrown by Medo Persia, which was overthrown by, et cetera? We're going to get to it. I don't want to give it all away. Okay, back to Daniel chapter 2, verse 37. Oh, we didn't do 36 yet. This is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. So what if that hadn't been the dream? What would Nebuchadnezzar have said? Off with your head. Eh, <laughs> off with your head. Uh-uh. Wrong. Eh. Off with your head. But the fact that Nebuchadnezzar is still listening means it was right, it was right and Especially. he's impressed. Yeah. He was all ears. I'm sure he was all ears at that point. This is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings. Now we all know that expression from Revelation 19. And we kind of saw it in Isaiah too. What does it mean to be a king of kings? It means Babylon is an empire that there are many nations, but they sit over top of those nations. Those nations are all subservient to Babylon. We call them vassal states. So they still have their own kings, their own governments, their own infrastructures, but they pay tribute to Babylon, and anything the king of Babylon says goes. It takes precedence. It's kind of like our American jurisprudence where something in a constitution takes precedence over an individual statute.
2: Isn't that also like the federal government's trying to take all the states' rights?
0: Yeah. We can talk about the 14th Amendment later. Okay. So you, O king, are a king of kings. It's an empire. Babylon is an empire. They rule the entire world. The rest of the nations are vassal states to Babylon. They pay tribute. What's tribute? money, gold, silver, precious things, like taxation. like taxation. They will provide soldiers for Babylon's army, etc. So you, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you. Wait a minute. What did he just tell Nebuchadnezzar? There's
1: somebody above you.
0: There's somebody above you. You didn't do this on your own. You did not conquer the known world because you are the biggest, most baddest soldier or the brightest statesman. It's God who gave it to you.
4: You know, If you think about like Ezekiel gives us a little more insight to this because there's no way Nebuchadnezzar could have taken Jerusalem if the King Glory had not departed from the
0: tomb. Absolutely.
4: Amen. They would have been dead.
0: Yeah. Who was the big empire before Babylon? Assyria. Assyria Assyria established Babylon to be a guard on its eastern border. And Babylon was just a nothing military outpost that grew into a mighty nation because God chose them.
4: them. And it was like that status.
0: exactly when they came to see Hezekiah he said they're nobody they're so far away Ah, they're insignificant well they're not insignificant anymore are they because God ordained it put yourself in Nebuchadnezzar's point he's been worshipping all these gods as stone and gold he's going oh I've been worshipping the wrong god So, verse 37, You, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. It's not the work of your hands. God is the source of Nebuchadnezzar's authority. Verse 38, And wherever the children of men dwell... Or the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven. He has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. Do not miss this. Jeremiah and Ezekiel explain it better. But every nation of the world has been taken captive by Babylon. Why? Not just that God ordained it. He tells us why. Because they have failed to keep God's commandments. Which book are we going to do after Daniel? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. In Jeremiah and Ezekiel, God explains that every nation of the world has failed to follow his commandments. And that's why they go into captivity in Babylon. But Babylon had also
1: Babylon failed, also failed along with everybody the else.
0: Yep, that's why Medo-Persia is going to overthrow Babylon and take the whole world into captivity.
2: They follow the
0: and that's why Greece is going to overthrow Medo <laughs> Persia.
2: This is a vicious circle, right? Yeah.
0: That's why Habakkuk had to be written. It says. Yeah. Let's keep reading. So, in verse 38, you are this head of gold. This is important. You cannot understand Revelation if you miss this point. The head of gold is Babylon, but it's also Nebuchadnezzar, it is the kingdom of. And it is the king who rules it. The same is true when we get into the beasts of Revelation. And we talk about the Antichrist kingdom. It's also referring to the Antichrist. The false messiah. The beast of Revelation 13. Take your preferred term. So what's the head of gold? Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 39. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours. What's the next kingdom? Silver. Silver, inferior. Then another, a third kingdom of bronze, again inferior, which shall rule over all the earth. And that's the point y'all just made. Babylon isn't following God's commands either, so they punish through the judgment of God, the rest of the world, then they get overthrown and put into captivity along with the rest of the world under Medo-Persia. And then Medo-Persia is going to get put into captivity because which of the Gentile world powers finally worships the God of heaven and makes him God of all the earth? Hasn't happened yet. (laughs) That's why there are the four secession of world empires. So, verse 39. I know he hasn't given us the full interpretation yet, but I just can't help myself. The kingdom of silver is Medo-Persia. They came to power in approximately 538 BCE. 538. When did Israel go into captivity? About 606 to 605 was when it started. There were three waves. Medo-Persh overthrows them in 538 B.C. The next king, the kingdom of bronze, is Greece or Macedonia. Take your pick.
2: You can see that God's not showing respect to person. Israel didn't follow his commandments, so they went again.
0: That's what we find in Jeremiah and Ezekiel that people today tend to overlook is that they say, well, Israel had to keep the commandments. It's not for the rest of us. No, the rest of the world went into captivity because they he didn't. He failed didn't. to keep the commandments too. Yep. So Greece arises about the year 323 B.C.E. That gives you the link that Medo-Persia ruled. And then Rome came to power in about 63 B.C.E. Oh, we haven't mentioned them yet. That's verse 40. Verse 40. But after you shall arise the king. Verse 40. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron. As much as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. Rome was different from Babylon. Babylon conquered the rest of the nations. But they still functioned as nations. Just as vassal states. Same with Medo-Persia. They were over all the other nations, but the other nations still continued. Same in Greece, but Rome, what did Rome do? Rome took sovereign status from the states they conquered. Made it one unified empire.
1: Uh, would you back up, what year would you, you, put three of the years, but Babylonian, what year would you assign to
0: that? Babylon, the captivity started around 606 to 605. That's when they take all the other nations captive, including Judah. Yep. I like dates. I like to put things on timelines. In high school, I hated history. You know when I started liking history? When I studied Daniel. And I could start putting dates to these events going, I know who this is. This is, okay, that's neither here nor there. So verse forty, the fourth kingdom, that's Rome, shall be as strong as iron, as much as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. So that kingdom's going to not just take tribute, but they're actually going to take national sovereignty. How far did the Roman Empire physically expand to the west? All the way into Great Britain. Yeah. yeah, all the way into Great Britain.
2: As I'm sitting here listening and reading along with you, my mind says that we, the United States, shall also go into captivity, and it's probably right
0: upon us. Yeah, yeah, I don't doubt it. Verse 41. Ooh, verse 41. Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, The kingdom shall be divided. Rome wasn't conquered. Rome fell apart. Do you remember what happened? What caused Rome to fall apart? The Senate came to realize they could vote themselves appropriations out of the treasury. And they spent the nation into bankruptcy. And it broke apart. But it continued as a sort of empire under the Roman Catholic Church. Do you realize that? When Henry VIII wanted to divorce his wife, who did he have to ask for permission? The Pope. Pope. When France wanted to go to war against England, how did they have to get permission from? The Pope. So, I want to read you something from my Tanakh's commentary. It was written by a man named Abarbanel. And it says, the lands of the Roman Empire came to be dominated by Edom and Ishmael, represented by Christianity, by which they mean Catholicism, and Islam. Both, one as strong as iron, the other as weak as pottery, comprise the latter-day fourth kingdom. And I just wanted you to know that because that's the way the Jewish people look at these toes that they are Christianity and Islam working together as one and of course what is the Pope trying to bring into Catholicism but Islam there's something big in the world today called Chrislam where they're trying to say that Christianity and Islam are really just two branches of the same faith so
2: you're saying that they think they, um, say Edom is
0: Yes, the Why Jewish people look at Catholicism as Edom.
2: Why do they say that?
0: Because who has oppressed them down through the last 2,000 years? Who through the Inquisition put to death anybody who kept the Sabbath? Or, no. It's not a bloodline issue. No. Although they say it was Edom's descendants who founded Rome. I don't know whether that's true or not. It's just an identity Yeah. Just like why in the book of Isaiah does God refer to Jerusalem as Sodom and Gomorrah? Because they're, like- they're acting like Sodom and Gomorrah. So to the Jewish people, who who has persecuted them for the last two thousand years? Yeah.
1: The Catholics are actually they're actually saying it doesn't matter what God people praise to, there's only one God, so they're all worshiping the same Saint-
0: Right, and what a lot of people don't realize is that in Islam, Mary is a key figure. They revere the Virgin Mary. They
3: revere Jesus.
0: And that's why they want to eh, mix them together. So whenever the Jewish people, according to Arba Benel, read this, they look at this last world empire as Christianity and Islam, working together as one. It could
4: be fake Christianity,
0: yeah. Yeah. Once the believers are gone, what's left? Yeah. The church. Yeah.
4: Most of it. You can see this big push like the ecumenical movement.
0: Yeah. It's like, you know, it's not just Christianity. Islam is like... Right.
1: Oh, it's Methodist and Presbyterian.
0: Yeah, the Pope has been bringing in idols from all over the world and putting them in the Vatican. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Right. So it's like saying these false doctrines and all these things can't. It's like they have substance, but they just can't.
0: Right. Appear. They may work together, but they're never going to join together like Rome. Right.
4: Right. And you know something I've noticed as you've been given those dates, every empire you gave, you've given like shorter, sure. the, no, the, the more splendorous they are, the shorter the right. amount of time they right.
3: Right.
0: The, the less, the longer. Yeah,
3: yeah I
0: noticed that too. The longer are yeah. Absolutely. That's one reason I like to give dates. So I would imagine for um, Nebuchadnezzar, this was, uh, it knocked his ego down a notch. Yeah, let's keep reading. God's going to knock him down another few notches. <laughs> but verse 42. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay. Have any of you ever tried to put iron and clay together into a vessel? It's not going to work. So as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom will be partly strong and partly fragile. Let's look at Daniel chapter 7, verse 7. I know I'm getting a little ahead of us. I never do that, but... Daniel chapter 7, verse 7. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible. What's that fourth beast we know? Rome. Exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Now, not ten toes, but ten horns. But how many horns? The same number of horns as toes. The toes and the horns represent the same things. But now we know what horns represent. Horns represent kings. So those ten toes represent ten kings. Continuing on, Dan chapter 7, verse 24. The ten horns are ten kings. Hey, who would have guessed that? (laughs) Who shall arise from this kingdom? And another shall arise after them. Who is that another? That's the false Messiah, Antichrist, or Beast of Revelation 13. He shall be different from the first ones and shall subdue three kings. And in Revelation 17, verse 12, we see the same symbolism, but not necessarily in identical words.
1: Daniel,
0: Revelation couldn't be written. Yeah, you really need to understand Daniel to understand Revelation. They really go hand in glove. Verse 12 of Revelation 17 says, The ten horns which you saw are ten kings. God bless you, but now we learn more about the ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. An hour refers to what? The tribulation period. So they are not kings in our world yet.
2: How do you explain that it represents revelation? The one hour or whatever. I mean, you just said it represents revelation. Uh-huh. Okay, well, yeah. tribulate. What are you, how are you putting that two
0: together? You have to go all the way back to Daniel chapter 12. But we'll do that as we go through Daniel. <laughs> For well, one hour as kings with the beast... This means that King Charles III is probably not the false messiah, having received his kingdom before the tribulation period starts.
1: Did you see that video about him on YouTube?
0: I've seen several videos about him. Which one in particular? This
1: is the one the man started working on when he was born, when Charles was born. And... he did most of his work during the 90s and has been still working on it and released a 30 or 40 minute video.
0: The answer is no, I haven't seen it. If you got a link, send it to me.
1: I'll find it. It's been several months, but it's well worth watching. It'll okay. stagger your imagination.
0: I can imagine. Brother Wayne. Yes, Rachel.
2: Aren't we in Revelation?
0: We were at Revelation 17, 12.
2: 17, 12. Thank you.
0: Yep, you bet. Okay, back to Daniel. I know I'm off topic. I never get off topic, but I try. Verse 43 As you saw, iron mixed with ceramic clay. What's ceramic clay made from? Ceramic clay. Ceramic clay, okay. It's kind (laughs) of glass, sort of. Yeah, okay. It's a highly
1: fired clay.
0: It's a highly fired clay. It breaks, right? It's fragile. If you take an iron bar and hit it across your knee, what breaks? Your knee, right. So iron and and clay, they're just not of the same nature. It says, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. Verse 43, as you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men but they will not adhere to one another just as iron does not mix with clay. I have not found a commentary anywhere that explains the phrase, they will mingle with the seed of men. It's almost like the uh, The Nephilim. It's almost like the Nephilim, but I can't find a commentary anywhere that explains it. (laughs) I'll just skip over it.
1: It also might refer to homosexuality.
0: You never know. Yeah. When will we know exactly what this means? The day after it happens. After it happens. That's right. <laughs> Prophecy is best fulfilled in hindsight. So verse 44, And in the days of these kings, that is the ten kings referred to here, three of which get uprooted by the false messiah, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. So it was not going to happen during Babylon. It was not going to happen during Medo-Persia or Greece or even the ancient Roman Empire. It's going to happen yet in the future. It says, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. That is, there will not be another world empire of the Gentile world that comes in to take it over. But Rome was going to break up of its own accord, and lead to the revived Roman Empire, which is almost together.
1: Wasn't um, Hitler trying to establish the Third Reich? He had already been there was a first of Rome, a second of Rome. He, he was going to do the
0: first third of Rome, Rome, second Byzantium. Yeah. I mean so was, by the Third Reich, he means he was going to resurrect the Roman Empire. Yeah. Yep. He tried. Yep. And, of course, now the talk is not the Fourth Reich usually, though occasionally they they mistake that. But what does the World Economic Forum use? The fourth something or other. But it means the Fourth Reich. uh, Something like that. What they mean is we're going to restore the Roman Empire. Yep. Really? Yep. So it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. So we looked at Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7. That is Messiah who breaks these kingdoms and rules forever and ever. Let's add to it Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23. Verses five to six. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. So you know we're looking at end times prophecy, don't you? That I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. What is this word branch? Samak. Samak. When Messiah is referred to as the branch, it's always Samach, except in Isaiah chapter 11, where it's Netzer. So whenever you see this branch here capitalized, it's Samach, and it's referring to Messiah. A branch of righteousness. And again, what did Isaiah 11 tell us about Messiah? He would be the ultimate in righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness Where? In the earth, meaning in all the earth, the Messianic kingdom. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. That is, Israel will have been regathered back and put back into one nation. Now this is the name by which he will be called. Write in your Hebrew books there. What is it? Adonai Zedekinu. The king, the Lord, our Righteousness. Adonai, Zedekin. Adonai is the Tetragrammaton, our righteousness. Oh, wow. Gives me goosebumps. Then in Micah chapter 4. Lest we forget, just as Isaiah chapter 2 prophesies the Messianic kingdom, so does Micah chapter 4. Now it shall come to pass, verse 1 says, in the Akharit Hayamin the end of days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains. But what precedes chapter 4, verse 1, and please don't say chapter 3, verse 12. That would be too easy. But look back at verse 11 of chapter 3. Her heads judge for a bribe. Her priests teach for pay. And her prophets divine for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? No harm can come upon us. There because of you, Zeon shall be plowed like a field. Who ploughed Jerusalem like a field? Rome did. Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins, and the temple the mountain of the temple like the bare hills of the forests. So this explains. Why the kingdom has not come yet. What causes the Lord not to answer prayer? Sin. Sin. So what is the Lord waiting on? Repentance. Go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Oops, I have a red one out here. Let's see who that is and what they need. Warren says, I believe the World Economic Forum calls it the Fourth Industrial Revolution. I've heard that term too. Thank you, Warren. Okay. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, and going through verse 33. Now in the 6th month, that's not the 6th month of the year, it's the 6th month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. The angel Gabriel, what does Gabriel mean? Mighty one of God, Gabriel, the mighty one of God. Just as El Gabor is the mighty God, this is from the same words. Was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, which comes from the words Netsertav, from Isaiah chapter 11, the good branch. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. You know what betrothal means. It's the first age of marriage. Joseph has brought the marriage contract called the ketubah. He and Mary's father have agreed to it. He's paid the bride price. Mary's drank the cup. He's now at his father's house building the bridal chamber. Of oh, the house of David. Why is that significant? Because Messiah has to be from the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. What does the name Mary means? Miriam in Hebrew it means rebel. Rebel. Yeah. She is quite misnamed. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Why did God choose Mary? In my opinion is because not only is she of the Davidic line, but she's betrothed to Joseph. Joseph would be king in Israel except for the curse on Jeconiah. So he has the right to the throne but can't ascend to the throne because of God's curse on Jeconiah. But his adopted son when he marries Mary is, does not have the disqualification. First, Ryan, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, shall call his name Yeshua, salvation. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. What is that word highest in Hebrew? Elion." Elion, oftentimes God is referred to in the scripture as El Elyon, the most high God. But sometimes Elion stands alone. He's simply referred to as the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. In order to give him the throne of his father, David, he must first be entitled to the throne of David, right? And Mary is a direct descendant of David through which of his sons? through Nathan. Joseph is through Solomon. Which of David's sons carried the right to rule? Solomon. And he will reign over the house of Jacob for how long? Forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. A human being can't reign forever. Why? Because we die. So this lets us know that Yeshua is not just going to be a man, right? But he's truly going to be the son of the true and living God. God in the flesh. John 1, when beginning with the Word, the word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, the Word became flesh. Back to Daniel, chapter 2. After
1: 14 generations, there would probably be thousands, if not tens of thousands of men who could trace their
0: ancestry back to Solomon? Oh, I don't doubt it, because Solomon had a lot of wives and therefore probably had a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. We're up to verse forty five in Daniel two. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands. That struck me when I read it this time more than it ever has before. Where was Messiah crucified? At Golgotha. It looks like a skull because that's where they cut out the stones for the building of the temple. He died at the place where they got the stones for the temple. He was the stone which the builders rejected. They cut the stones out of the mountain. Messiah is the one they did not cut. Which is probably why they rejected him because they didn't cut that stone. But Anyway, verse 45. And as much as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God, notice not a great God, but the great God. There's a difference in biblical Hebrew and biblical Aramaic between a and the. The Great God has made known to you, to the King, while will come to pass after this, the dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. So what does Nebuchadnezzar do? Verse 46. Then the King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before David, before Daniel. Why? Remember back in chapter two, verse 11, what did the wise men say? Only a God can reveal this. So Nebuchadnezzar is falling down before Daniel as if Daniel is a God. And commanded that they should bring an offering and incense to him. Do you bring offerings and incense to a person? No, Nebuchadnezzar is treating Daniel as just another God. Is that because Daniel said, hey, worship me? No. Daniel's pointing him to the true and living God, but Nebuchadnezzar doesn't get it yet. Yeah, you know Daniel's saying, get up, get up, quick. God's looking. I
2: don't
0: want my head cut take taken off. Yeah. Verse 47 The king answered Daniel and said, Truly, your God is the God of gods. The Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. That's
1: a Hebrewism. He answered
0: him when there was no question. Right, it's so a Hebraicism, right? He answered him when there's no question asked.
1: this part's written in, uh, in
0: Aramaic. Aramaic and Hebrew are so close together that I can read most of the words. Yet, yeah. yeah, not all of them, but most of them. Yeah, but it doesn't say your God is the only God. He says the God of gods, meaning greater than the others. Right. So So Nebuchadnezzar has not come to believe that there is only one true and living God. Only that, hey, your God's a pretty good one. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. Daniel has good insight into what Daniel said. Well named. I can understand why. Verse 48. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Oh, how do you think that's going to go over? This new captive, he's been in the country three years or less, is now going to be our boss.
1: They should be grateful they got
0: their heads. because mm-hmm. of them. Yeah, that's what they should be. Grateful that they got their heads. But instead, there's going to be a lot of jealousy. They forgot they were supposed to lose their
2: head, don't you know? Humans do things <laughs> like that
0: really quick. That's true. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> the urgency's over.
1: Yes.
0: Verse 49. Also Daniel petitioned the king. And he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Why did Daniel petition a king for his three fellow here? That also prayed with him as a group, as a whole. So he says, Don't just give me the honor. It wasn't just me. So he promotes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Who sits in the gates? The judges. So Daniel is at an even higher level in the kingdom than his three compadres. But Daniel didn't ask for
2: that.
0: No, Daniel did not ask for that. But the king had promised it before Daniel ever said anything. Whoever can do this, this is what I'm going to do for him. And he kept his word. But then he does something extraordinarily stupid. Amen. That's verse first one.
1: He's a human
0: being. Yeah, he's a human being. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of? Himself.
2: Himself.
0: Not of himself. Of Of gold. Of gold. Now, the image in the dream had a head of gold, but this whole image is gold. Which means what? God's wrong. God's wrong. My kingdom will stand forever. I know better than God. Any question about why he gets to eat grass for seven years? But, however, I digress. I'm getting ahead of myself. became a vegetarian. <laughs> became a vegetarian. You're right. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits. How big is that? That's at least 90 feet tall. Out of,
2: gold? Out of gold. That's
0: how rich he was. Remember, he rules the whole world. That's a waste of good money. Whose weight was 60 cubits. That's at least 90 feet. And it's with six cubits, so it's at least nine feet across. Wow. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon.
1: put in back door, backyard. A lot of gold put up somewhere else.
0: Well, you've got a lot of soldiers surrounding it, so don't worry, it'll be okay. It's a lot closer to the Capitol building than you might think. Okay. Yeah. So, verse 2 And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces that is from all over the world to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. What does he want every person in his kingdom to do? Bow to bow down to this image that who made? Made. Nebuchadnezzar made. So, if if everybody bows to the image, they're also bowing to the one who creates the image. Yes. I
3: told
0: him he was the greatest. Verse three. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the hero cried, to you it is commanded, listen, O peoples, nations, and languages. That's to everyone in the kingdom of Babylon. So the representatives from all the nations that have come up are to take this word back to the entire world. Not to worship the God of all gods but to worship the image that I and Nebuchadnezzar set up. Anybody yeah. see any problems coming? Those
1: nations, oh, we yeah, think I that's a pretty be. good idea. Yeah, solid gold, look at all that. Well, and yeah, we worship that
0: kind of stuff. Maybe we'll get it. Yep. So it keeps going. To you it's commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, verse 5, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery and symphony with all kinds of music. You shall fall down and worship There's, What's that word? Mishtachavim to prostrate themselves before in worship. The gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. What do you call that? Idolatry. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 20. Remember, in Babylon is the remnants of Israel. Exodus chapter 20, we call the Ten Commandments, God calls them the Ten Words. Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 says, And God spoke all these words, saying, And what comes after the word God in Hebrew? The olive tav. Ooh. And God, through Messiah, spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out land of Egypt out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that's in heaven above, or is in the earth beneath, or is under the water, under the earth. Well, they didn't make it, Nebuchadnezzar did. But you shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. Now we have a problem. If the children of Israel bow down to this image, are they violating this commandment? Oh, you betcha. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity. That word in Hebrew is avon, it means sin. Of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Maybe in the New Testament idolatry is okay, do you think? No, no I don't think so either, but let's look. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 14. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians to a group of Gentiles who have gotten saved, right? Yes. And he says in verse 14, "Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry." What's the difference between walk away from and flee from? The speed. The speed. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21. Now, just change that to and. The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. What's the next word? Idolatry. Idolatry. Sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things, what? Will not. Will not inherit the kingdom of God.
1: Unless they first say the words.
0: So is it serious? Yes. It's serious. The, way, the word practice is a present participle, so it indicates it's not one time thing. It's those living in that lifestyle. The word practice is a, it's a lifestyle. It's like in Matthew chapter 7, right? Those who practice lawlessness. Practice lawlessness. Yeah, Yep, yeah, it's not a one-time oopsie. And what do we read in Revelation chapter 2? Two? two of the seven churches were eating food sacrificed to idols, thinking that it's okay. Is it okay? No. It is not okay. For
2: the way, as we were reading through here, and we were observing the king making his idol. Yeah what it's made out of Uh to me and my spirit came we're all looking for something so called the 666 but right there in the word it shows us it would be real easy for our government or any other one who conquers the world to set up an idol and say now worship this and would never recognize it that it was the beast
0: yeah and by the way the market of beast is not 666 we're just (laughs) always told it is for some reason but our time has expired we will pick up continuing the cross references to verse 5 of Daniel chapter 3.